Welcome back to the Why So Series podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. We got Stephanie and Lauren and Devin. We'll probably jump on. Uh, but we're back for Insecure Season 5, Episode 8. We missed last week. I forgot what happened last week. I'm not going to lie. Um, was that when, like, Nathan and them got? No, I forget what happened last Oh, yeah, Nathan and Issa figured some shit out, I think. So anyway, what's up, Lauren? What's up, Steph? What's up, y'all? Good to like come back and talk to y'all again. I'm excited. What's up? Also, what's up, pickles? Also, Lauren, I met a person who lives in Oklahoma on Instagram who sells edibles, and I finally got some edibles, so I'm good to go. I'm excited. Hey, I love that for you, like. We love to see it. You deserve. It's been since I left California. You know, in California, you just get up and, try and just drive to the store. And it's, so coming here to Texas, like, oh, that shit not here. So hopefully. It's a whole drug deal in Texas. <laughs> By the way, why is it? It's legal in Oklahoma, but not Texas, which is weird. So I just find that to be really weird. But, you know, That's... I'm good to go now. That's very weird, but we have like that fake, like, what is it called? Delta variant eight or some kind of like fake hemp weed or whatever they've been selling at the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it does what it does. Oh, there's Devin. What's up, Devin? Chilling, chilling. Are you back home in Maryland? I am. Yes, I am. Devin's back in Maryland. Good. Not, not out and about. So yeah, we got, uh. <laughs> Insecure. What was this? What was the episode called? Something with a question mark. I'm guessing. Okay, something. Uh, Blank. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like choices. Okay, is what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah. So basically, this episode, you know, we uh, the what? All right, whatever. I'm. I ain't take no notes, so I got this recap. <laughs> so we. Gonna I neither. That's all I'm like one big episode to be like this, both the episodes like one big ass episode to me. So it's not I feel that you. horrible though. We're gonna get through it. So you know. Oh no, last week's episode was the episode with the girls' night. Yeah, I like that one. That was no, 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 no. Last episode was not the girls' night. The last week's last week. Oh, last week. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was, was chilling. Okay. It was chilling. <laughs> chilling. Okay. Yeah, that was the girls' night. So yeah, I did like that one actually. My bad. I did like that. Yeah, it was really good. So, all right, this one opens up uh, with Issa, Nathan, and Bed, and, uh, you know, they're talking about Tiffany going to, D to Denver, because we found out last episode that Tiffany is moving to Denver because her husband's job, um, and Issa points out that, you know, they get up, and then they go in the bathroom, and Ethan's, Issa's like, yeah, you've been leaving a lot of your clothes here, and so Nathan was like, yeah, I've been leaving my drawers and all types of shit here, you know? You know, maybe maybe I should move in. And Issa was basically like, uh, I'll think about it. Y'all y'all think that's a good idea for them to move in? I do not. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Like, please do not want to move in because you have your shit here. No. <laughs> maybe he's ready to take the next step, Stephanie. Okay? Maybe he's ready. I just don't get a good like view or like mental picture of them sitting down trying to like divvy up the bills for the month and shit. I just 
I don't see it, man. <laughs> I just don't see it. I would love to see that in an episode. Excuse me. He used a milk crate as a lamp, as a bedside table. No, we're not doing this with you, Nathan. But uh, but if you were, I mean, and, and you know what, that's fair. I think it'd be different if y'all were having a conversation because, you know, you feel like y'all at that level. Not like keep leaving my stuff here. Maybe I should live here. Um, how about you not say we did? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, she seems like you're saying he's drifting. Is that what you're saying, stuff? Like he's becoming a drifter. Like he's just trying to just look here. Don't be don't be having this hobosexual reason for wanting to move into my house, sir. <laughs> I feel like that's how it happens, though. Doesn't it happen where you just like start staying at somebody's house more and more, and then you're like. If I keep staying here, we might as well live together. Isn't that how it happens? You know, never. I've never lived with anybody, so I ain't about that life. Y'all, yeah, I, y'all need to answer that question because I don't know. Because I'm like, that don't sound right. I feel like that's how it happened with me. I don't know. Maybe I don't. No, that's not how it happened with me. I ended up moving to Arizona. My shit was way different. But I feel like that's how it happens with most people. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm not. I'm not hip. Um. So then, you know. Then we get to the art walk, right? Last time we saw the art walk, Issa was trying to talk to these people, and they was all down on her because of um, Prince Sean talking shit about her on Instagram. And so, but it looks like she got her black art walk up and running, and Issa talks to that white man from uh, the that water company, and he basically tells her that, you know, you're doing a great job, and, you know, you can expect a formal offer from them soon. And so... You know, she was real happy about that. And I was like, look at Issa, about to cash in and make this money. Uh, and so then she runs into Nathan and uh, shopping. <laughs> and she tells them, this part was funny. She's like, let me take a picture of y'all shopping at normal. And then they start <laughs> they start posing like they're in the club shopping. I thought that was funny. And so um, basically, you know, Molly and Kelly show up and they start teasing Issa about, you know, being in love and having black love. And look at y'all being all together and that type of shit. And so then they asked Molly about what's going on with you and Tori. And so basically, I guess they had a first date uh, already. And so she's like, we're going to go on our second date. And hopefully our second date is better. Talking about, uh, you know, getting some little action that night. So are y'all surprised they didn't show us Molly and Tori's first date? I thought the first date wasn't them fucking and not going on a regular date. No. Because at the end of the girls' night, yeah, I'm about to say, in the girls' night, Molly's trying to see what that thing that, that thing thing going on. And she <laughs> got the text in. So apparently that thing thing was thinking, and it was like, well, cool. We should go on, on a real date. No, so, they didn't fuck yet. What are you talking about? Uh, That's what she was saying. She was saying hopefully in the second date will be a lot better than the first one because we're going to have sex. Because she said, because she then said some good sex would be a stress relief from this estate planning for her parents. So what was the first thing? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I didn't missed. see the first thing. It happened off screen. Hmm. So uh, she's like, I'm trying to get them to take their mortality seriously. It's been difficult. And Kelly was like, listen, I deal with people dying all the time and old people. Let me come help. Do y'all remember what Kelly's job is? Because I don't remember what Kelly's job is. It seemed like she was a. Does she work at a bank? She what works is... in bank. She works in finance. In finance. Oh, she yeah. Finance. Okay. Yeah. I can't because when she um 
said that she could help Kelly with Kelly, God, Molly with her family with estate planning. I thought so because didn't because Issa came to her to try to like get budget advice. So I, I'm trying to figure out what her actual role is, but it's in finance. Yeah, so uh, you know, so Kelly was like, you know, I'll come help you. Uh, by the way, did y'all see that article about her about Natasha Rothwell? I did. I didn't finish it, but I did. I started it. I was like, I love. I love this for her. I love it because when she said SNL, I'm like, I had no idea she had worked on SNL. Yeah, I didn't have a clue. I was like, was damn. SNL. Wow. I was like, okay, Kelly. Okay, Natasha. I'm like, okay, girl. I just want you to win. And she, she also had an article where she was like, um, people are uh, projecting. Did y'all see that? Uh, what was it? Oh, it's right here. It's called, uh, she said, Natasha Rothwell, people want to hang their expectations as a plus-size Black woman on me. And so she started like talking about Oh, is this new? Is this a new article? Yeah, it came out, uh, came out like last week. It was like- Oh, a- okay. It was like a profile on her, and she was just basically talking about how she's like trying to carve out her own voice, but like she's constantly getting like, you know, why are you doing this as a plus size black woman? You can't do that on TV. Why are you acting like that? And she's like, I write like she's like, or or they'll try to defend her by saying like, why are they doing Kelly like this? And then she was like, they were saying that about me about an episode I directed. (laughs) Right, and she in the writers' room. (laughs) It's like she's in the writers' room. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. It's it's like I understand that because it's like as a plus size woman, it's kind of like to a certain extent we're over sexualized, but also at the same time, it's like we can't be sexual without people thinking that we're being too much. So it's kind of like she's not wrong, and it's okay for her to like to basically enjoy sex because. It's like if I say this, like, oh, you're being too thirsty or you're doing too much, or it's like, y'all oh, being overly sexual, and it's like, or I'm just being sexual because I'm grown and I like to fuck. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think we're just not used to seeing, like, big and fat Black women just in, like, the seats of power commanding their stories, and so it's people have a visceral reaction because they just think everything is ridicule. In a way, like, you can tell, because I used to kind of, I'm not going to lie, I used to kind of have some funny feelings about Kelly at first, but when you learn that, like, she has a very active role in the writing of that character and the way that they are, like, going out of their way to really develop uh, Kelly's character more, it's okay. Like, it really is okay. It's like every Black person, every fat Black girl doesn't have to be like I don't know like I want to say like asexual but doesn't have to be like very mild and approved like it's okay to be like overtly sexual and inappropriate and funny yeah I agree exactly exactly so yeah it's a good article so you get a chance to uh-huh. check it out um, so after the art walk is over uh, Issa and Koya run into Crenshaw Stephanie's man Crenshaw uh, who's been wanting to catch up with him and so he apologized for how things ended. Before. Y'all don't see them quotes he just did, too. <laughs> and that's at very accurate. He apologized for how things ended between them and admitted that he hasn't had, you know, he hasn't had much, he didn't have so much success before then. But, you know, since, you know, since the thing with Issa, 
you know, he realized that while trying to, you know, trying to set up things, you need insurance, you need this, you need that, you need this. And he's like, I, I ain't know about all that shit. And he was like, you know, after I did that thing with you, though, opportunities been coming in. So I was tripping. He ain't, he ain't said that, like, apologetically, though. He was basically like, you know, I was tripping. Let's move on. <laughs> like, he, he tried, you know, Stephanie called it a man apology, basically. He tried to I called it a nigga, an, a, it's a nigga apology. It's a nigga apology. Yeah, you know, I was tripping. First of all, nigga, fuck you. You called me a sellout. You called me a sellout, and that shit is not cool. But now that you see that I didn't fall on my ass and that it actually is successful, girl, you know we could be making some business, could we? How about you do a public apology, chief? Don't come at me like, oh, I'm, let me do this because, you know, we could be doing some things. But why would you want to work with me? You said I'm a sellout, right? Ain't that what you said? See, that's the thing. Issa, jump down his ass, mind you. A Koye, a Koye, Koye, I don't know what this girl's name. Um, yeah, and mind you, I follow her on Instagram. I'm like, oh damn, how long have I been following her? And I still don't know her character's name, Jeff. I'm like, she is the one who was jumping shitty with him. It's like, you know what? I'll allow it. Cause one, he had it coming. He's such, he's such a nigga apology. It's like, sir, you called me a sell. I was said, no, you don't care about the community. Now that you see that shit is popping, now you want to work with me. Nah, I was like. How about we have a real conversation? Don't give me no like warm brownies that somebody else made. Nigga, you go in a damn kitchen and make them yourself. <laughs> yeah, he basically said, yeah, we should do work together in the community. Keep uplifting the community. I see you. I see you really trying to help the community. So, Lauren, at this point, did you think, did you think Issa should, you know, work with Prince John? Or do you think she should take the, the water company money? I don't know, because, you know, the situation with Crenshaw ain't going the way I wanted it to anyway. So I told you I'm divested from that. But <laughs> this is just such a tricky thing for me, because as a person who's like at an age where I can kind of like look back at least like a decade or so of my life and kind of reflect, you all you you always think like the other decision that you could have made could have been like the right decision. And it's really hard to see all of the failures and the traps that could have like caught you up on that side so honestly I don't know because seeing her like what she thinks her vision may be and like I know the way how reality works and how harsh it is I don't know I don't know because I feel like she could make either situation flip to her benefit and her advantage yeah but like you're like you're an organizer do you ever think what if I didn't do this and I went corporate and did some corporate shit like do you ever have them thoughts not well I mean I guess the only thing that I thought that I was gonna do was like be in the medical field but I'm just at like such a place in my life that I realized like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing like so many things are just like synchronized in such a way like I know for a fact yeah this is right like this path led me here and I think you that's a place of like knowing that you have to get to and honestly I'm just such a like a like a believer in like divine like you know, alignment. Like, even I know this is like a TV show and it's not real, but like, she's gonna end up where she needs to be. Like, it's gonna push you that way, even if she chose the other like uh -huh. route and it didn't work out. Like, you would jump back. You, you would, you would, you will find your path and you'll get to where you need to be. Yep. So she gets the offer from MBW, and it seems like it's for a lot of money. And then we get like, we get like this. Um, when you were watching this, like, did y'all notice it was like a dream sequence? Because they shot it really weird. No, it's all you can, you can definitely tell it was James the whole time. 
but, so that's I, the thing. It, I'm sorry, Devin. Go ahead. No, but like it definitely seemed like it was dreaming. But you got to think like because the show is wrapping up, it does give you the the inference that we're jumping forward, and this is this is actually taking place. So uh, it was well done. But I, I definitely could tell it was a dream the whole time. Good See, it reminded me of that dream sequence when it was her and Lawrence had worked out and they had the kid and then, then you flash back like, oh, shoot, it's a dream. It reminded me of that because it was like it was shot really well, but it's like you didn't realize it was a dream until you realized they back at the door staring at each other. So I liked seeing that either way she chose she would get benefits from each side, but it may be a part of her that's going to be like, I'm missing out. It's FOMO on both sides. And it's an interesting thing to look at. You're like, it's interesting you're saying FOMO, if you do take the money, you're like, oh, I'm not that connected to the hood. And then it's like, if I don't take the money and I go with Crenshaw, then I may not be, I may be successful, but not as successful as if I had corporate money behind me. So it's weird to watch. Yeah, so basically, uh, it, you know, in this in this dream sequence, the first part, you know, Issa and Koya meet up at the NBW exec office to go over details, and you basically see them go from like, you know, like a decent sized event to like this big event, uh, you know, and you know, a whole bunch of people are into it. You know, Koya's there, but Koya has some assistance, so like she's starting to like expand out, you know. Uh, Issa is on stage in Detroit. She goes to like some deep thing in Detroit. She's like talking to people. Uh, you know, they ask her, she's doing like this um, sit down interview. <laughs> and the woman asks her like, is there anything you want to plug from LA? And she was like, uh, I ain't really been home like that. Uh, and so she gets on the flight to go home and she in first class. And, you know, she was looking real fine up there. And her hair was blown like she was looking good. And she uh, sits in first class. She looks to the side, and there's Ty Dolla Sign. And she's like, you know, Ty, he's like, oh, shit, look at us in first class. He's like, where? what you going back home for? And he was like, oh, I'm about to go home so I can collaborate with Crenshaw. And I was like, oh, this is definitely a dream. Team. I was screaming. <laughs> and so I was like, hold on. Is Crenshaw a rapper? Like, what's, what's going on here? Doing like a show with him? That's why I was confused. He's Kanye, y'all. No, <laughs> child, no, Kanye. Not don't make Kanye. No art. <laughs> Ugh, gross. I hope he's not that whack. I was like, I thought you were an artist, and then it was like you got a clothing line, and now he a rapper. I'm like, girl, what don't he do? I'm saying that's Kanye compared to me, but I mean. So then, uh, you know, she was like, ah, oh, damn, Crenshaw, huh? And, uh, you know, Ty Dawson was like, yeah, the city loves him. And so Issa kind of looked uncomfortable, like, you know, kind of like, God damn, I had a chance to work with him and now I'm out doing this shit. But I'm like, yo, we saw... I think it's more of she wanted to do it for her community and, like, that's what Ty was going back home to do. Um, And Issa had realized what he said was actually coming to fruition and, like, he did sell out, she did sell out and left home. And, and forgot about the neighborhood that she wanted to uplift and wanted to make bigger. Uh, so I think that's what it was in the moment when she was like, Chris, huh? Oh, he's still doing it. And then like him actually being able to blow up um, and do something for the community. I think that's what it really was. 
So when she get back to L.A., you know, Nathan's there, so they're still together. And they got this sweet-ass crib in West Hollywood. And she's like, where we at? Like, oh, yeah, we moved to West Hollywood. And they living together, so they love each other or whatever. And she's like, yeah, we moved to be closer to the MBW offices. And then it cuts back to the mirror. And so you were like, oh, yeah, you know, this was this was bullshit or a fantasy or whatever. So it's Issa. It's mirror Issa again. Uh, and so then we cut to Molly. You know, and she's with her brothers and Kelly. And they're walking, you know, they're talking to her parents about their estate and stuff. And this one kind of hit me a little bit. And so the children, you know, they all have questions for the parents. And, you know, the parents were kind of, you know, they didn't really want to talk about some shit. And so Kelly, you know, Kelly jumps in and she put on her, like, work voice. And she code switched for a second and was like, you know, tried to reassure them about estate plan. Like, yeah, I deal with this all the time, you know. This is something that happens, like, and don't be scared or upset. And then so David was like, her dad was like, you know, it's just hard for me to talk about this because I feel like I worked all my life and I don't really have nothing to show for it. And I was like, God, that's, I think that's something a lot of people feel. Uh, but Molly was basically like, you know, and that's a big thing with black families in particular. And Molly was like, you know, no, no, like, you know, you, you built, you help us get to where we are. Like, you know, Without you, we wouldn't be here. And then Kelly was like, listen, all you got to do is have a plan. Like, we can start, you can start saving for your grandchildren right now. Like, we can open up a savings account. You can just start building. Like, whatever. She was like, I dealt with someone who all they had to leave was a Nissan Sentra. <laughs> and so she tried to, like, lighten up the situation. And so then we got, uh, I think we got the next, was this a, was this the other dreams? Oh, no. Elijah Issa and Crenshaw met up for coffee. And, you know, she tells him that she doesn't think working with her is the right choice. But Crenshaw, like, presses him, you know, starts talking about all the good shit he can do. Um, and he tells him. He wants to show her this other project, this other thing he has working on, and just give him a chance and then come look at it and see. And then make a decision for when you see what I got planned. Like, because, again, he has the community on his back, I mean, like, not on his back, but he has community, um, tapped into the community, and they're doing a lot of different things, so, uh, she was like, he was like, Ethan, you should, you should just come, come check it out, so and, uh, get to, um, nah, I'm done with that, like, nah, because, like, then, like, then, like, Stephanie says, he needs to publicly apologize for the way he dragged me and had me looking like I didn't care about my community, when I literally just try to position him so he can make his dream bigger and actually put, come make his dream into fruition. So I don't know. Like, I mean, that's, that's just like, again, once the, once the mojo's off and the duty's off, you can't, you can't rekindle that and the trust is gone. So, yeah, it's, a, it's enough for me, dog. So then we get the. Yeah, because no tea, no shade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cutting you off, Brandon. No, no. no tea, no shade. But I flat out, sir, nigga, the first words out of your mouth should have been, I'm sorry. Not let's just bygones, bitch. This is not Allie McBeal. If you don't open your fucking mouth and just apologize, because you dead ass wrong to come at me wrong. And that's on period. And then you call me a sellout in public. So if I link back up with you, it's like, are we under the impression that I came back to you or you fixed it? Because I don't know if that's how that's going to look. That's a good point. So then, uh, basically, then we get the next part of the dream sequence. So Issa and Koya meet up at Crenshaw at the studio for a walkthrough. And, you know, Issa comes in and, you know, gets introduced to the team. And 
basically takes them to the storefront and saying like, this is going to be my second store. They start getting press in the newspapers and shit in LA. Um, and she's like, look, we keep doing this. We're going to expand. We're going to be good. Next thing you know, like the lines around the block, they opening up a second location. Issa is like this big pillar in the community. Uh, you know, she, she walks, she walks up to the ice cream, man. He was like, yeah, I got your favorite ice cream with extra ice. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, you know, she takes the, she's like, I don't have no money with me. She was like, oh, your money is no good here. You good. And she rolls by a city bus and it has this big ass ad for the water company with Ty Dolla Sign as the new spokesperson. And I'm like, why is he the, why is he the lynch point for this? <laughs> One and one dream, he's with Crenshaw, the other one's with the water. Ty Dolla Sign is LA, son. Like I'm sorry, he is kind of fine. I was like, that's him. Oh, I see. He's the coolest laid back dude ever. He's the he's the gangster version of Drake. Um, and uh, people love that shit. He's the gangster version of who? Drake, because he can sing around. Excuse me. That description Wait, is hilarious. I, um, excuse me. I'm the gangster version of Drake. Ain't nobody dealing with Will Chad Jimmy from Canada. I, he's, the, he's the realest version of Drake you can get. You know, he can talk about his feelings and he can rap and uh, he still makes songs for ladies love. Uh, so yeah, uh, he's the equivalent of a gangster Drake because he's really about that life. He's the non-sucker Drake. Okay, well, that's better, too. I mean, yeah, that's good, too. So then we see Issa with a, a big-ass afro, uh, full-on, you know, accepting the key to the city of Inglewood from Tyra Banks, by the way, uh, for all her work in the community. She was amazing. She was amazing, Tyra Banks. And I was like, I had no idea Tyra Banks was, like, acting. Like, where? I don't know. Where have I been? I had no idea she was acting. So she first they had Tyra and then they had Elaine. Elaine Wetworth used to be the editor for um Teen Vogue. So I was like, oh, okay, Elaine. Oh, she yeah, had to Elaine. Be made, right. I was like, mm-hmm. I peeped her. Okay, so we had Tyra. And so then uh, you know, he gets she gets they name it Issa Day and Issa Wood Day. And uh, they get back home, and you know Nathan's there. They still in that same crib though. And she asks why they never moved into a bigger place. He tells her, you know, we had to make sacrifices to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. And by the way, <laughs> you got to go deal with this plumbing shit. And she walked in the room and bought. Got the Immediately, plumbing. I was thinking like, what the fuck is Nathan doing with his life? They got to stay there. He's doing all these big things, and like he's still the apartment manager. Like, get out of here. Things, but they're not really paying like that, is my assumption. And so they still basically making what they're making. They just kind of like two income though. Oh, living that freelance awesome. life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, living it. Yeah, living and off so, them invoices. <laughs> <laughs> and so she all dressed up, and she get the plumber. And when she get back to the living room, Nathan ain't there. It's fucking Lawrence telling her how proud he is of her. And I was like, oh, man, you still on that shit? And I really don't want her. To, by the way, I don't want her to get with Lawrence. I don't know about y'all, but, like, I hope it don't end that way. She really doesn't want Lawrence, so. 
idea. It's the idea of what she thinks she's missing and what she thinks she's had to sacrifice. You know, just I think in that, like, it's it's the money. Like, she loves him, no doubt, no doubt. But she wouldn't have walked away from him again. Had he not walked, had, had the situation not been so heavy, where like she didn't realize a kid would change their dynamic to the point where like, all right, we're doing this, all this thing. But then add him being a father on top of it, there was no space for her while he was figuring that out. Um, and if you really saw, want a nigga, you gonna do it. Cause Gabrielle right, right. did what? Set her ass down and became a stepmama. The best one. That is true. Yeah, I, like that's true. Because at that time, Lawrence seemed to have his shit together, and then the baby came, and she was just like, "I can't do this shit." But he was doing better at that moment. Pointing to I like, him. like, um, like not Kelly. What, what's uh Amber Seal, Amanda Seals' character? Tiffany. Tiffany. Like, t- like Tiffany said, like you just make it happen. Like you gonna do. There is no right or wrong choices. Just choices, and. Like, if she really wanted the Lawrence thing, she was really worried about the other stuff and not really being with Lawrence. Even though she seemed to be happy, they seemed to be really happy, like, you know, while they were doing that situation, going back and forth from uh, San Francisco to LA. Um, and yeah, it just hit the fan, and Issa had to make a decision. And I think she was like, well, this, there's no space for me in his life. And yeah, now she's dealing with the fact when she when he moved back. I think she's still dealing with those feelings and hasn't really worked that out with herself as far as her moving back and and I guess being a full time father. Because I mean, he throws she throws Condola in a situation like they're a happy family, but that's not how that is. So again, until she really I guess uh, resolves the Lauren situation, whether she wants to be with her or not. I think it's it's haunting her in the back of her mind. That's why we keep seeing them in these flashbacks. I mean, drink tickets just. But then Lawrence moved in to kiss her, and she she screamed and went back, and it woke up basically. So because she was like, "How does nigga just get in my house?" I think when it's like when you watch Issa and this longing, I feel like it's because she is watching Lawrence literally compromise and change for other people in a way that he will he has never done for her he has always done it because here's the thing his new job was in san francisco like him moving back really probably wasn't even on the table because lawrence didn't think he had to mind you condola was in la so it just made more sense it's like yeah she's having a whole baby and condola don't live in san francisco so you work in IT. You can work remotely. Like, this is ridiculous. It's like we watch the growth from Lawrence and the, it's like this sobering feeling for Issa. He, this nigga keep doing it for everybody else. But I had to put up with that depressed ass nigga on the couch in that Best Buy shirt for years. This wasn't like two weeks. It wasn't six months. She dealt with Lawrence for years and just accepted him where he was, met him where he was. They didn't work out. And then him, you see him doing all the growth that she wanted and never asked it. She never asked for it. That's the other part. Issa D now would ask for it. Issa D seven years ago, she didn't ask for it. So now it's like, damn nigga, why, why didn't you just do that for me? Because Issa, you didn't ask for it. But also, Lawrence should just do that for himself. He didn't have any incentive. 
And Issa should have been incentive, but now it's the sobering fact of, I was never incentive for him. And it's like, that's, that's the, oh God. I, yeah, I'm all in my feelings right now. Let me not. It's okay. That was a big part of the show. So uh, dinner, tell them about it. what's what's expand about. How are you feeling about this stuff? <laughs> because I've seen it. But the thing I think it, it is is because I don't know. It's like it's been a lot happening with black women in the last few days. I so before because I gotta jump off. I'm sorry. But I recorded a solo episode um of Mocha Menace. It's gonna be out um tomorrow. And then it's like, I talked about a few stories. One was about that whole phase on love with um, Nicole Byer, that hating ass, bitter ass bitch that he is. Um, Sir, you need to worry about the Carmex that you need to put on your lips as opposed to what coin Nicole Byer keeps turning and your ass cannot. And then we talked about the dude who literally murdered his ex-wife, his ex-girlfriend, and then unalived himself. And of course he's from Baltimore. I'm like, oh God. So then it's like this sobering thing of like, and then watching people go, y'all need to leave black men alone. It's like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Snap is involved with women, not men. You see men on Snap, you see women on Snap, but y'all the rational ones, y'all the not emotional ones. Y'all actually trying to find excuses because black women just should just accept any old thing because if we ask too much, I'm like, you being difficult or we got to prove our worth and what we bring to the table. Bitch, I'm bringing a house. I don't fuck you in your table. Right. So it's like, then watch is like a woman who literally put like, did not ask shit from Lawrence, put up with it so she can have a consistent dick appointment. And then he was getting struggle strokes for years. And this nigga giving back shots to Keisha and Tiffany and Katrina and everybody else, some random two white women. You giving like you giving all this better sex to other people. You giving better sex. You being a better Lawrence. You doing a better job. She did get better sex from Daniel though. I mean, she did. did That's what I'm saying. I'm like, but not from the person that she wanted. She wanted to build a life with Lawrence. But she thought, but that's the thing. Bought into what a lot of black women do. Buy into that. We got to struggle in love. And that is Ooh. not fair to black women. And I'm like, why can't we get the fair? Why I gotta fucking struggle because I'm black? The fuck? <laughs> For what? Thank you. It was just like, that's just whack as shit. And it was like, it, it sucks because Issa's looking like, why am I thinking about him? I'm like, girl, you better, you, you want to do with your homosexual adjacent man who just want to be with you. He looked like, Girl, you could be successful and you could have a house husband. That means somebody gonna cook your food and gonna make sure that the wine is chilled and you gonna have dick on tap. It's like it's gonna be great. Girl, be successful. Oh, well, I said take out the trash and chill the wine. You know, so I ain't saying nothing but no food. I ain't seen him. I have not seen him boil water. So I am not doing this. I know he's from Houston, but I'm like, nigga, I ain't seen you. I ain't seen you banging around no pots. I ain't seen you born no water, no eggs, no no deviled eggs. I ain't seen nothing. Y'all, you you doing like the dude who bring in celebrities? He brought pizza to the beach, nigga. What? Who wants sand in their pizza? Not me. So, I'm sorry, that's funny. So then we get back with Molly, and it looked like it looked like they had a long day, but they got through everything. You know, they got through all the all the estate planning and everything and you know 
she tells them she's happy she done it and you know she loves them but you know when molly walks to the car she breaks down so i don't know i was confused what? breakdown for like yeah the breakdown what do you think the breakdown was i was confused i don't know what she was crying about do y'all know it's Lauren? just realizing your parents mortality um oh, yeah. I think it's and I think it's also very like defeating to like listen to what her father said. My, I watched my grandfather go through that. My grandfather literally worked his whole life, literally retired from his job at 90. And the next year of his life, we were kind of taking care of him and his health really declined because he didn't have anything to do every day. But the fact that we were having to take care of him like weighed on him so heavily because he could not figure out how he's worked his whole life and basically ended up with nothing. You know, he put my mom through college and you know that was like way back, but he just didn't have a lot left over and was as a person who has lost a parent I think um it's just being it's just seeing like how human and how frail and fragile your parents actually are like this is what's next and you know that you have like fewer years in front of you with them than you do behind you absolutely that's what I saw too but sorry guys I gotta hop up but thank you for having me you know I gotta you know I love catching up with y'all but all right have a good night y'all you too. So, yeah, so yeah, she kind of broke down and then Torian called her and was like, hey, you know, I'm finishing up at work, you know, about to come pick you up so we can go on this date. And she was like... So proud. So proud like, of this, this know, whole trip. I don't think I'm going to be that fun to be on a date with tonight. Like, I just had some rough day with my parents and like, I ain't really for that shit. And Torian was like, oh, all right, you know. I understand. Like, you know, if there's anything I can do, you want to talk about it, let me know. And right, I'll, right. I'll be here, basically. And so, so yeah, the growth of this situation is just beautiful to see Molly being able to trust somebody to be vulnerable with, because we've seen in past seasons where it doesn't matter who she's with, she would always carry this burden by herself. Um, and just the allowance of her sharing you know, that, hey, I'm not in a good place right now. And even being able to, you know, to dive into it just a little bit more and not, you know, completely sharing everything, but just letting someone be there for her uh, was, was, is, is growth. And you just want this to happen now. Like, I want her to be with her now. Like, just because they are both empathetic to one another now. And it just shows what a conversation can do by just meeting somebody where they are. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, they cut back to Issa's apartment and she's basically talking to Issa, uh, Mary Issa, trying to figure out which route she should go on. Should she do the, you know, should she go the the water route with the offer? Or should she stay home and work with Prince Sean? And I'm watching this like, why can't you do both? Like, clearly the water people fuck with Prince Sean, so you know, you take that deal and you can still do shit in the city. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what will happen. But that's what I was thinking. And then she was kind of upset. She didn't understand why Lawrence showed up in her fantasy. And Mary Easter says that she called Lawrence a couple of weeks ago. And, you know. He called you back. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, basically. And so Issa called Molly to talk it over with her. And, you know, she was worried about, you know, being a sellout. And then she was also worried about, you know, if betting on Crenshaw, that's kind of a risk when I got this money sitting right here. And Molly basically says, like, there's no wrong answer. Like, you know, either way, you'll be fine. You're going to make it out just fine either way. And she just has to trust her gut. Uh, so then they get off, and Molly gets a knock on the door. 
and it's the delivery of Wingstop and wine that Torian sent over to lighten the mood. And I was like, okay, look at Torian. Applying pressure. Yes. I was like, Lauren would be so proud of this nigga. <laughs> yep, I told you, I saw the long, I saw the end game. I knew it was going to be them. Yeah, no, no, as soon as I, I didn't know when she walked in there and they had that back and forth, like in season three or whatever, or no, you see season, season two, I was like, boom, that's a, that's a good look. Because they match each other intellectually and they're both really good at their jobs and they're both cocky and they're both in a place where they have some growing to do, but you feel like it can circle around. Because uh, that, that tension, man, like I said, applying that pressure. So then we get the last scene. We get back home, and uh, Nathan and Issa are getting ready for dinner. And Nathan calls her to the other room, but <laughs> she hears Lawrence's voice. Uh, she, you know, she's waiting, uh, but it's just Nathan who walks through the door, and that's when it goes off. And so I'm like, uh, "Are we? Please don't go back to Lawrence." <laughs> that's all I don't want. I just I want her to be at the end, but I'd rather her be with Nathan than Lawrence. Uh, what do you think? Devin? Oh God, it's so because again, this is why the show is so good because you you have a whole demographic that's going through these changes, and that's why it's so reactive and, and reactionary for so many people. Um, I don't have an answer, but. I think we have to see how Issa plays it out as far as her processing of her and Lawrence. Because it goes one of two ways. It's either her love overcomes love overcomes everything, or she leaves it where it is, and then it's always gonna be in the back of her mind until she actually resolves the issue with Lawrence. Um, because we all know that Nathan is just a safe pick. And I don't, I don't see it like I used to with her and, and Nathan. And, and it, the show's playing out that it's just settling with Nathan. So um, if she can have her happily ever after with um, Lawrence, I mean, yeah. Because, again, I still listen to that Daniel Caesar song all the time, think about having a whole life with, with a woman. Like, I'm coming back. you damn right I'm coming back home. Like, so I don't know um, how... How one is, but I don't think she should be with Lawrence because I think that's too, too cliche. So I don't think they're going to go that route anyway. But I, I want to see the closure with Lawrence. So we got two episodes left, Lauren. You think she's going to end up with Lawrence? Think they're going to do that? I don't think so. I really just feel like Lawrence just symbolizes just what she thought she always knew and what's safe. She's having a like a battle of like her own, like an internal battle of like what her next step is in life. And I just feel like Lawrence would just be a step back into her comfort zone. And that's not like the journey we're really trying to see. Like, I feel like it's almost like a red herring. Like what we're trying to see is Issa going to stay down and, you know, be a woman of the people or is she going to chase that bag, you know, and flip it and make it work for her like that. So it's just hard for me to see like that being the end result of all of this. Do you think there's any chance that Nathan, I mean, sorry, that Lawrence and uh, Condola end up together? 
no but I'm also not invested so I wouldn't like I wouldn't be super upset if they ended up together but I'm also not like that emotionally moved by it all right that's just compare I just think that real good comparison I think it's kind of you know a good balance of appreciation for one another um which is important as well so I and I think, that, like this show is saying, it's, it's our lives, people's lives played out in their mid to their, their late 20s, early 30s, and the decisions they make, you know, and the insecurities we, we carry. So, I mean, I get, I get it. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant to say last week when we, we didn't do the show, that Lawrence was listening to our show because he did everything we said he was supposed to do. Nigga moved back home. He looked like he took some uh, parenting classes. He fucking started building shit for Condola, realizing that, like, she's more than just the person that watches his baby, like, helping her with shit. He stayed there the whole night, helped her with dinner, all that shit. I was like, look at Lawrence listening to our fucking show. So, Hell yeah. And that's what's funny is, so I don't think that they're trying to, like, portray them as being together, because I honestly really just feel like it was just always this air of like Condola never took Lawrence like seriously as like a serious suitor, but she was just at a place in her life that she felt as an older like woman, you know, and I don't want to say like older woman, but as a woman who's like pressured to feel old that she needed to have a baby. But I think she is like, we're watching her gain like actual respect and like value of him. But didn't her and her ex-husband lose a baby? I want to say. I want to say that. I just I'm thought not... she didn't want kids at the time. Like, she was, right, like, right. clear. Like, but I don't those... know. I can't remember that. I that was yeah, I don't remember. But, yeah, I mean, you can tell that motherhood had been in her mind. And, again, she'd already been successful career-wise. And the only thing left for her in her eyes was to have a family. And, you know, she had this younger guy around. And he was good to her. But then it got weird with Issa and then he took this other job and then he went back to Issa and then all of a sudden she pops up pregnant so she's going through a range of emotions because she has what she wanted which is a child uh, but she didn't imagine doing it by herself so um, and I think again all that bitterness she had to overcome not bitterness but just, just hurt that she had to overcome um, from the situation led her back to being um, a person that can see Lawrence as Lawrence is act, also acting like a fuckboy too. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, you see Lawrence as a person again. You know, yeah. Again, a, a child is, is is a blessing, and it definitely uh, people say God gives you a child to to show you things about yourself that you need to see to slow you down, or or to make you mature, or uh, give you a sense of purpose. Uh, so. I mean, yeah, whether you choose to believe that or not, like, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's good to see their dynamic get to a, a, a healthy place. But they're not together. They're not going to be together. Yeah. So the only thing I saw in next week's preview was Nathan saying some shit like, her ex is in here. And I don't like that nigga. <laughs> so I think we might get a Lawrence-Nathan confrontation, which should be interesting. Uh, coming up. So, is, hey, is, is Nathan about that life, uh, Laura? You know, you know I feel like all you know, H Town niggas got a little, got a little something, some. You know, <laughs> we're we're all descendants of J Prince. You know, we we come to the world a little, a little gangster, a little different. 
That's true. That's a perfect way to end this. A Jay Prince reference. Uh, so yeah, thank you all for listening. We got two episodes left in the whole series, so we'll be back next week to talk about episode nine. Uh, thank you all for listening. Talk to y'all later. Peace. Bye, y'all.